Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. What is up, everybody? It is Friday afternoon. Happy hour for some. Definitely not on my in my neck of the woods. A little, it's like barely lunchtime here. But maybe you're having happy hour and hanging out with us. We're going to be here for a little while, answering some Bengals questions. I know the frenzied part of free agency has kind of died down, but a lot of different things are happening with the Cincinnati Bengals in terms of rumors and questions going forward. And speaking of questions, we're going to get to yours today. Myself. My usual co-host, John Sheeran, and Jason Garrison of 3 and Out also uh, cruising along with us. Guys, how you doing? Good. How doing are you? Good. It's, it's a, lot, a lot is happening while also not happening with the Bengals. It's like a... It's like a, just an oxymoron right now. I know. It's... Uh, yeah. It, there, there is a little bit going on there, but... Uh, Let's uh, just so everybody can get in touch with us. We're going to do something a little different. I think today we're going to put in the live chat link in the live chats, Facebook and YouTube. So if you want to hop into the actual stream, if you're, if you got some video accessible and you want to get into the mix, we're going to throw that in there. You can call or text 949-542-6241. You can leave a question on the YouTube, Facebook streams as well as on a number of different twitter accounts and we'll try and get to as many as possible super chats on the youtube not only will get preferential treatment but those donations for a little while longer are going to go to we just had orlando brown jr on the program and uh while he's still designating a specific charity in the cincinnati area we're going to pool those funds so if you do Want to leave a super chat if you did like the interview that we had with him. I know we did. Uh, you can leave a super chat and we'll we'll get that off to a charity of his choice. I usually I like to I like to let you guys bat lead off, uh, but I saw this one on Twitter. I'll try and pull up the actual tweet here, but um, it is from our buddy uh, Cincinnati Sports Talk or Bengals Talk with Strawberry Ice. The Ice Man cometh. And here we go already, right out of the gate. Do the Bengals double dip in the draft on tight end and running back? Because they have not addressed it in free agency. Obviously, John, the other night, you broke, uh, as we were on the air, you broke the Foster Moreau news. That was, I hope that guy's going to be all right. That's a scary, scary situation. But kind of one of the last, I guess, wheelhouse type tight ends the Bengals could get on the open market because of the age and, you know, probably manageable salary and, Maybe a little bit of upside. I mean, obviously not the most talented player, but a guy that could have provided a lot and veteran stability in that position group. So are we are we looking now at this point, double dipping at those two positions, one or the other in your estimation? I don't think they're going to draft four combined running backs and tight ends, um, but they have double dipped at tight end before, specifically 2015. That was t- uh, Tyler Croft and CJ Uzama back then. I, I think with Moreau and made him interesting is that he just fit the bill of a guy who was probably in line to ascend into a greater role, like the likes of Chidabe Wuzier, Trey Hendrickson, Mike Hilton, yada, yada, yada in recent years, like guys who were going to sign for, you know, pay raises for this team, for the Bengals, but, but they weren't like, they weren't like star players at their previous tenures. And they were projecting him to, you know, kind of fill into the role that they were, projecting with he made the most sense for a signing like that and no other tight end at that time when he visited or right now kind of fits that bill so they were just I think they just kind of saw 
the rest of the market and said, we were kind of good on this. You know, this is a great tight end draft class and we need to rebuild that room. And that's, that is how I feel about tight end. I feel like two picks at that position is probably likely at this point with one being in the first couple of rounds, but I, I don't see two at running back. I, I think they like Trevion Williams to keep him on the roster. I don't know what's going to happen with Joe Mixon at this point. There's obviously a lot of going on with another veteran running back who's been linked to Cincinnati Bengals, and I'm sure we're going to talk about that soon. But I don't see four out of the seven picks being for those two positions, no. No, what do you think, Jay? I could see double-dipping at tight end, uh, but like like John said, not not at both positions. Um, Irv Smith and Mercedes Lewis are really the only guys left um, that could kind of step in and bridge a gap uh, for someone that they draft. If, but if they don't sign someone, they're going to have to double dip at tight end. I think the only guys on the roster, or the only guy on the roster right now with playing experience is Devin Asiasi. I think that's it. Um, and he, when it comes to playing experience, I don't think he really had much on the Bengals roster last year. He was only in for a handful of plays. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, they're going to have to do, and this draft class is really deep at tight end. So, and that helps them out a little bit. And maybe that's why they haven't made any moves in free agency at tight end. Um but uh, yeah, I, but absolutely the Merce- or not the um, Mercedes Lewis, but the uh, the um, Austin Moreau news was you know very sad. I hope wish him the absolute best. Yeah, yeah, it's a tough situation for sure. I'm in agreement with you guys. I mean, we we made this really uh, <laughs> really easy out of the gate. I, I'm with you guys. I think because of the depth of, of the tight end group in the in the draft this year and the talent. I mean, you can go you know three four rounds deep and get guys that. Uh, maybe not start for you, but have heavy rotational roles with the team and and be an immediate contributor potentially. I mean, there's the kid. Um, I saw our guy Eric on on Twitter there put out the RAS score recently of the old Dominion tight end uh, Koontz, and he, I mean, he's unbelievable. Obviously, not known as a blocker at all, but a guy you know you want another red zone receiving threat type of guy. You can get a guy like that, and then maybe you get more of an inline blocker somewhere else in the draft. I mean, there are. Uh, this is unfortunately guys, I mean, the tight end situation, it's kind of, it's kind of caught up to him a little bit where, I mean, they, they kind of ignored it last year and, or guys got taken maybe before, right before they were going to do it, right. Where they were going to pull the trigger on somebody. Um, they just kind of, and I think that comes a little bit from Zach and the Rams philosophy a little bit that they just, you know, that's not a high priority position as compared to others. And um, they just, it's kind of catching up to him this year a little bit, unfortunately. And then some other unforeseen stuff with Moreau and whatnot um, is also doing that. But I, I find it hard to believe that they will double dip it running back in the draft as well. I mean, that doesn't mean they're not going to bring in a UDFA or anything like that as well. But um, yeah, I, I, I see, I see tight end being the more likely scenario where they get two picks. Where, true, where are we going I mean, next? They only have seven picks, by the way, and, and they can tra- right. they can trade back and get more, and maybe that becomes a possibility. But right now, yeah. Um, but it, as far as where to go next, I mean, there's only one thing that people are talking about right now, and it's Zeke. Okay, so, so go for it. Who who did yeah. who specifically? Oh, I see uh, Dave right here. Uh, or no, that's Eckler. Um, but yeah, go, but go for it. Yeah, we could use Zeke. I see Brandon saying that. Go for it, John. Yeah. So let, let's just get this out of the way. Ezekiel Elliott in his representation essentially leaked a wish list of teams he wants to play for down to three. He leaked it to Adam Schefter, who tweeted it out like Thursday afternoon, 4 p.m. Included on the list was the Bengals, the Eagles, and the Jets. Uh, there was a report that came out from Philadelphia. A Philadelphia reporter said that the Eagles have not reached out to Zeke at all. There was a deleted tweet from Brees Hall, the, the Jets running back, who basically threw shade at Zeke, saying, now nah, we're, we're probably good. A lot of people have linked Zeke now to the Bengals just because of the Ohio connection. He played with Joe Burrow and Sam Hubbard at Ohio State. Uh, the number 15 is open. He apparently wants the number back. <laughs> so a lot of things are connecting Zeke potentially to join the Bengals. Zach Taylor had, I think, a it was like an event at St. X High School in Cincinnati, and he was speaking for like 800 people, and someone asked him about it, and he basically said, yeah, I haven't really heard anything about this. He said the coach thing to say in a public setting because coaches, whether he's right. honest or lying, he's not going to say anything about that. Right. So what he said has no bearing on the actual situation. But guys, there's two angles here. One, it's what Zeke would be with the Bengals. And two, what interest exists and doesn't exist right now. And I think in terms of interest, we have to equate this kind of to the Orlando Brown situation where Orlando Brown's camp reached out to the Bengals initially because they knew that he wasn't going to get the deal that he wanted at left tackle. And 
they reached out to the Bengals and said, hey, is there any interest in, in signing him? And Bengals like, absolutely. We didn't know this was a possibility. They offered him the offer that they got, and that's how that happened. So I think in a similar vein, the Bengals probably didn't have any interest before this week about Zeke Elliott because they didn't think that you know he was on the radar and, and he might command a little bit more. But if Zeke does want to play here and the Bengals are still looking for a running back to replace not Joe Mixon, but Samaje Pirine in his role, I think that's how the wheels be potentially start turning here. But we just don't know enough to, to say that the wheels are actually turning on this situation. Jason, what do you think, man? I, I think that Zeke could work, but only as a replacement for Mixon. And you're not going to get the only thing you're going to get is an upgrade over Mixon at this point in Zeke's career is at pass protection. So if they do, and, and I, he might be cheaper, you know, I think that they owe Mixon 12, a little over 12 million this year. And if they were to cut him after June 1st, that they save like $10 million. So if that happens and they sign Zeke and he's going to be a guy that they don't have to take out of the game for the last half of the AFC championship, because he can pass block, that's good. And he might be cheaper. Uh, but I still think if they do that, it's not like they have their running back of the future. They still have to draft somebody this year. So that's, I just, I don't see it happening personally, just because I mean, that's, you're going to ask him to not take a lot of money and he may not be the main guy. So I, I don't know. I just don't see it happening. It, it all has to make financial sense and the contract has to fit into the, I mean, I know that's like, duh, Anthony, I, I mean, but I mean, it really, really has to make a ton of sense for the Bengals to, to make a move like this. I would understand that they would want uh, a, a veteran running back that can pass protect that can do a number of different things. I would understand that they would want to have someone like that um, ready to go and, and waiting in the wings. But uh, you know, I think also at that position, you know, you can get talented, cheap, athletic type of players at a lot of different points in the draft. And, and that also may make more sense to them as well. So, and I'm seeing that here's just to kind of piggyback off that there was another question here. I mean, there's a couple of running back questions, but um, where was the one about Chris Evans? Uh, so, yeah, uh, we don't even know use Chris Evans. There's another what's going on with Chris Evans, that sort of thing. So, I mean, I, just to kind of piggyback on that, I don't, I don't know that Chris, I don't know Chris Evans plans going forward with this team. I, you know, I thought last year was kind of going to be that turning point for him, you know, kick return guy, maybe a, a Gio Bernard light. And it just never came to fruition. They don't seem to trust him in, in a lot of different capacities. You can see him do things in the passing game as a receiver, but you know, he's not going to, that's another guy that's not going to probably ascend unless there's some magic leap that, that occurs probably not going to be a guy that ascends to a, a big role this year. And it looks like, you know, they may get a veteran guy in Zeke. It has to make a ton of sense financially for them to do that. And Zeke probably needs to understand the role, know your role. Right. Um, and I, otherwise I just, I, I think it's draft and uh, you know, maybe, maybe they think Travion Williams. I, I see Travion maybe taking that Chris Evans role a little bit this next year, potentially based on what we saw last year. I don't know if you guys agree with that. Um, and that was the guy they wanted to keep around. Well, what is the Chris Evans role? It doesn't exist because they don't well, trust him to do anything, you know? I guess the perceived Chris Evans role, what we thought the Chris Evans role would be, right? I mean, I I get you. I mean, he, he didn't – I was I was just shocked at how little he saw the field last year based on some of the things you saw as a rookie, some of the things you heard. You kind of felt like this was a guy that, yeah, he was going to be an ancillary guy in the offense, but you thought he'd kind of be that guy that just comes in and pops a big play on third down here and there, just never saw the field. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead, Jason. No, I, I was going to say, I mean, even in like third and long, you know, in passing situations where you could use an extra receiver out of the backfield, I, I don't know if it's that they didn't trust the offensive line that they needed someone to block and Chris Evans can't or what, but Evans never got on the field. One thing I did want to say about uh, Zeke that I, I forgot to say is one benefit we have is we know he can play center, as you saw the Cowboys putting him in. So maybe that'll help out a little bit. But, <laughs> If they're Jesus worried that Ted Karras could get hurt, they could put Zeke in at center and just <laughs> do whatever. I, have, I still have no – I've watched that play a thousand times. I still have no concept of what they were trying to get done there. So. I, I, th I think at the end of the day, they wanted P. Ryan back. They wanted him on like a two-year – basically the deal that he took with Denver. And he went to Denver because he trusts Sean Payton's ability to use multiple running backs pretty equally. He has a good track record of that in New Orleans. 
I think they wanted to re-sign P. Ryan and they wanted to cut Mixon and they wanted to replace Mixon with a, a rookie in the draft who has more juice, right? Who's not 26 years old and about to fall off the cliff. I think once P. Ryan left and they didn't and they didn't identify a running back on the open market that they thought they could afford that could replace P. Ryan, then they kind of pivoted towards, okay, we'll, we'll keep Mixon and then we'll look for something in the draft to maybe replace P. Ryan. But it's just, it's tough to replace what P. Ryan did with the rookie because that's a lot of responsibility to pass protect and just be to be the entire third down back and some of those things like you can't always rely on a rookie to do that and I think that's why this is a possibility to replace just what P Ryan did and once if, if Zeke comes into the fold then they kind of revert back to the original plan and they use and they save some cash by letting go of Mixon and they replace him in the draft so again I don't think I think if gun to my head I would say he doesn't come here but I'm not ruling now entirely just because it seemed like a plan like that was already in place had P. Ryan resigned. Well, we're going to, uh, Jason, I'm going to let you uh, take the next dibs, but this guy usually calls in on the phone, and now we gave him the hey. platform oh. to to talk, to come on into the show. Terrell, what's going on, my man? Good to see, good to put a face with the name. Yeah, yeah. Uh, different services. Uh, I'm at work, but, you know, it's all good. <laughs> Well, that's all right. What's on your mind, dude? Uh, just hollering at y'all, man. Uh, I'm I'm feeling the um, is Zeke be the new P Ryan? I ain't gonna lie about that. Maybe Who's maybe in, uh, Zeke. You think Zeke's the new P Ryan? Zeke is the new P Ryan. Okay. All right. Okay. And um, I I, I and I think uh, his I think it'd be a better like a, a new it, uh bring some more juice, not not speed, but just uh make him. I mean, he might come out be he might be a good player. That's all I'm saying. He might be a good player. But well, uh he's used to getting positive yardage and and I mean obviously early in his in his career was for longer plays and as he's gotten older and more wear and tear, I mean that the, the long speed and whatnot has has decreased. But I mean obviously he's a guy that knows how to get first downs, get positive yardage, and quite honestly, the Bengals offense continues to need short yardage situations to convert short yardage situations, extend drives, not settle for field goals and punch it into the end zone. And, you know, if that's, I mean, P Ryan was very good at that. If Zeke can, can kind of continue that, I can see where the value is. Again, the contract has to make sense. The, the one thing I'm surprised about is since when the Bengals is a worldwide, just superstar central team, that everybody going through when this happens. That's all I'm trying to figure out. I mean, I mean, Orlando Brown, Zeke want to come here. I remember the times when Warren Stopping want to come here. Yeah, they do. They do. But, uh, I, but I, I did, but I did uh, want to tell you that uh, we definitely about to get two tight ends. Uh, the guy, the uh, the guy from uh, from UC Wiley, I think he likes the second. He gonna oh, be the second or third tight end we gonna get. Uh, if it end up being much grass or 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 wash or uh, Washington from uh, Georgia, that's cool. Um, and and I do think we're gonna get a, a running back with juice. I ain't gonna lie, man. I want Gibbs at number one. You want who number one? I want I want Jamar, Jamar Gibbs. Gibbs at number one. Oh, okay, okay, wow, okay. I do, wow. I do. But wow. uh, you know, uh, love to hear from y'all. You know, I'm uh hearing from y'all every day whenever y'all come, man. Uh, you know, uh, you. and I just wanted to tell John, man. I, I wanted to tell you, man. I'm trying to put up a position. To uh, get Travis Kelsey or Jason Kelsey to be our head football coach, man, at UC, man. Because <laughs> they, 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 they left the spanking. Uh, you're the man, Terrell. Take care of work, man. Okay. Uh, oh, you all right. Work, don't, work too, don't work too hard. We'll catch up later, man. Thanks for oh, hopping yeah. on. Um, I guess I, I, I think you ran to a customer. <laughs> yeah, he looked like he did. Um, but uh, it was good to hear from him. If anyone else wants to hop in, we'll give you a platform to hop in on video. We're doing something a little different. I don't know, just trying it out. We've done it a couple times here with, uh, uh, I think during the playoff run last year, I was just like, hey, let's let's come celebrate. But good to hear from him. Uh, I've got some texts queued up as well, but Jason, I promised you <laughs> that it's your turn next year. So ch- take a look at the live chats if you can see those there. And is yeah. there something popping up that you like? Yeah, well, I was just going to say, uh, Brandon... Savoy said Eckler would be great as well. And I just wanted to comment. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah. That, uh, Let's go with that one. I just, he, first of all, he's not a free agent. Uh, I know he requested a trade. I haven't really seen anything from any team or anything or any rumors about him moving. Uh, I, I 
just he's a one year rental and then he's going to cost too much after that. If you're going to pay extend Joe Burrow and you want to have the hopes of um, keeping T Higgins and keeping Jamar Chase uh, and then the defense intact, there's no way at what I think he scored 18 touchdowns last year and he's one of the best receiving backs. He kind of kind of doubles as a as a wide receiver. Uh, just like a running back, it kind of reminds me a lot of Le'Veon Bell when Le'Veon Bell was really good with Pittsburgh. Uh, I, I just, there's no way there. He's just not the kind of guy that they can keep more than a year at, at what he's going to require to be paid. So, so he had eight, it looks like 18 total touchdowns last year. Yeah. Uh, 13, 13 rushing five receiving 12 receiving touchdown or 12 rushing touchdowns rather in 21 and eight receiving so we're talking about a guy who's 38 touchdowns the last two years. That's right. pretty insane. Uh, and then you're talking about you know total yards from scrimmage. He's in the 900s on the ground, so close to 650 and 21 and 722. I mean, so he's a he's a guy that can do a lot of different things. He's obviously also you know upwards of 300 touches or more the past two two years as well. So you got to watch that a touchdown machine, and I love that. I love kind of the star power about it. But like you said, picks. For once, John Sheeran, the picks are at a premium with the Cincinnati Bengals. They are not yeah. hoarding them. We're not talking about compensatory picks. We're not talking about they have 11 picks and they can move. It's like, no, man, you either got to collect more or you really got to, you know, strike gold with the picks that you do, the seven that you do have right now. It's kind of been that way for the past three years just because they've mm-hmm. been so active in free agency. And this is like the first year that they've lost guys that, will net you compensatory picks but as of right now i think they have two uh going into next year and that's probably going to be the case because it's probably not going to be a signing that that counters that out but i i mean i agree wholeheartedly with jason um eckler i I think he's good but there's a reason why running backs don't get traded especially ones who are deep into their second contract it's just it's just too much money you don't want to give up capital for i'll be again like i'm not denying the production i think Maybe some fans kind of get attached to fantasy numbers because that's where the 18 touchdowns kind of comes from. But yeah, this is projecting how a player is going to be in the future, not what he was in the past. Obviously, he was a great player in the past. He's still probably a pretty good player now, but I, I don't I don't see it being worth you know giving up whatever pick that Los Angeles wants. It'll probably be a premium one. That's that's for sure. All right, before we get to a text message, couple of reminders for folks as we were getting more and more live viewers. Good to see everybody. If you are new here, welcome. We uh, this is one of the shows that we do. John and I do a weekly show. We also do a news rundown show, and then the guy on the bottom of the screen there with his pal Kevin, they do a great show, new one called Three and Out that you can find on our YouTube channel as well as on Cincy Jungles podcast platforms you can get this show three and out and uh what what john and i do as well on the youtube channel and you can subscribe the show logo is beneath the cincy jungle logo there at the bottom right i suppose of your screen click that click subscribe i gotta get like a fancy graphic those subscribe and the bell that rings i gotta i gotta get i gotta do all that but uh subscribe click the bell give a thumbs up do all the stuff if you can we appreciate and then of course on the audio side, whether it's on Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, any of the major ones, our show, Jason's show, Matt Minnick's show, Bengal Jim show, all of those, a star-studded lineup. I don't know, not us, but the rest of the guys um, are all there. And so download, leave us a review. We appreciate all the support. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, so let's get to a text. Got to pull this up here, and we'll 
Check it out. Let's see here. Um, well, one was about Zeke. Okay, here's an interesting one. And this is from Dre in 513. I haven't heard anything about Drew's sample. Is his career potentially over with his injury last year, or is he just that bad that the team isn't interested in bringing him back as a blocking? T- Dre from the top rope. I love Jesus. it. Uh, I, I know, just just dropping an elbow right there. Um, I, who wants to take that one first? Woo, that was a that was an early I, one. I, I'll go with this. I feel like Sample kind of falls into the category with like Eli Apple and Brandon Allen. Not not bad players, but players that. I think the team feels like we can just wait this out and they'll be available if we if we need them. Like there's no rush to bring back Drew Sample, especially because it's it's been how many months? It's been like six and a half, I think, now since uh, the injury in in was that early September. So yeah, there's still probably some time for him to recover to full strength. Obviously, them not having any tight ends aside from Devin Asiasi is terrible optics. But I really do feel like. The fact that they didn't tender Mitchell Wilcox when they easily could have. They could have resigned him as well. Sample's still out there. Like they want to rebuild this tight end group from the ground up. And right now it, it it's bare bones and they're gonna need to kill the drafts in order to do so. But if things don't go their way in the draft, maybe Sample comes back. But yeah, I feel like there's just no no rush at all. But I don't think his career's over by any means. No, I don't think his career's over. I could see him coming back to Cincinnati after the draft. Like you said, I don't see teams lining up outside of his door to <laughs> to to bring him in there. Um, I do love this comment from Honest Fan. It says sample is a scrub, and then it says respectfully. I don't. I mean, <laughs> you could just say, yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah, I I I don't see him getting signed before the draft. I could easily see if the draft doesn't fall the way the Bengals want it to when it comes to the tight end position, them reaching out to him, or if they don't get to double dip like we were talking about earlier, they could reach out to him. Um, but yeah, it's not. It's just like what you said, just like Eli Apple is, is you know, I, I, I personally would like to see Eli Apple back. Uh, I wouldn't mind if they re-signed uh, Sample, but not to be the number one guy. And I don't think any team thinks that that's who he is. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think you guys kind of both said it well, and John said it well at the onset there. It's just, he's going to be there if you want him, really. I mean, I, I just, and I, and I, I respectfully like like honest man said respectfully uh he's gonna be there if you want him i i i kind of obviously when they made that pick i was initially like whoa and i you know pac 10 slash pac 12 guy i was like hey you know washington husky and then i looked more into it i was like hey you know maybe they could do something kind of unique with this guy and then injuries never got his footing in the system or anything like that it was just kind of not a great pick from from the get-go and so, um, you know, but I do think that, you know, if he stays healthy, they could probably find some way to utilize him that could be effective in some way. But again, I don't, I, I think that's a, that's a post draft signing if they want to do it. Um, I mean, if someone scoops him up then, then they do, but I, I think he's probably going to be there should they want him. And if they don't maybe get some of the players that they want, maybe they miss out on a, another veteran tight end as limited as they are out there. Um, but uh, yeah. I don't. I don't know that he's. I don't think his career's over either. I think he'll probably land on a roster at some point, but um, it's just a matter of when. And I think that's going to be after the draft. I have a topic I want to bring up, but I, I'll let you guys look uh, scour quickly here for another question or two before we bring something up. But uh, is there something else that is getting to you? Yeah, there was one from Chris Hubbard. He's asking about. Uh, the potential first round tight end debate between Michael Mayer and Dalton Kincaid. And I was going to address this to you, Anthony, just because mm. Utah's pro day came and passed. Kincaid did not work out. I believe he's scheduling some type of a private workout, but he's still dealing with the back injury that kind of hindered yeah. uh, the, the end of his season. He didn't test at the combine. He's again, if you compare these two guys, one of them is 21, 22. The other one's 23, 24. One of them has a pretty full athletic profile to his name. The other is dealing with, with injury issues. So, Anthony, does this offseason, the pre-draft process, all of it, has it kind of changed your opinion on Dalton Kincaid compared to Michael Mayer, or is the order kind of still the same for you, man? Well, they're two, they're they're two kind of different players in what they bring you. Mayer's kind of that all-around tight end. He can give you more uh, as a blocker. I don't think he's I mean, he's still a, a good pass catcher. I don't think he's maybe as dy- when you look at the film, I don't know if there's as many dynamic catches as you see. Um, Kincaid and there are a lot of great catches by Mayer I just think Mayer is the most polished ready to go 
you know, you can, I, I, you made the, the comparison the other day, John, to, to Jason Witten. I don't, I mean, that's lofty, lofty expectations, obviously, because that's a Hall of Fame player, but I get the comparison because right. he's a guy that, you, you know, you, you put him, you put him in line, he's going to block, he'll shoot out to the flat or he'll go to a seam, that sort of thing. Kincaid's more dynamic in terms of stretching the field a bit more. Uh, you know, I, the testing thing is an enigma to me because I would like to say, I would point readily to be like, see, Kincaid's faster, but we don't know. Right. I mean, you just don't know. To me at this point, it hurts his stock. Um, I, I would be more comfortable if the Bengals, if he's there in the second round, I'm going that that's got to be intriguing. And you did not take a mayor in the first round. Right. I mean, to me, I think I think right now your your Kincaid should be in the second round conversation based on not testing. You don't have a lot to go on there. 16 touchdown catches the last two years, though, from Kincaid um, and, and a guy that just played with his hair on fire, played a lot of hero ball and made just dynamic catch after dynamic catch last year. I know he's older. There, there are some concerns there, but I think, you know, this is a guy now, if you're, if you're sitting there in the second round, maybe even the third round of teams are that concerned about it, It's like, you know, don't, don't overthink this thing, especially if you didn't get a tight end early mayor to me though, to answer your question, mayor to me is still the consensus top guy. He just kind of does everything. Kincaid would be more of a guy that you play a bit more in the slot. Um, you know, you could even get creative potentially as an H back guy. He did that in a, a, a limited, limited snaps in Utah, but I, I think he's more of a slot, definitely a pass catching third down type of weapon. Yeah. I think that, that mayor, like you said, is, is the most week one game ready, step in and produce kind of guy. He can block. Uh, he doesn't have the ability to stretch the field. Um, as much as Kincaid, but Kincaid not working out and then his back issue, I, I, it's going to hurt him. It's hurting him now. Uh, right. But like, like you said, if he's available in the third, I mean, you just have to kind of pull the trigger there. But if, if, if I, like, if they said we're going to draft a tight end at number one, it's, it, it can't be Kincaid. It's going to have to be mayor. And then I see some people here talking about Washington as well. I think Washington is, he just doesn't have the production that mayor had. And he's more of a, blocker i think he's just more of an extra blocker he's an athletic freak so i, I just don't know what he's going to do in the nfl but i think that we all have a general idea of who of who mayor is going to be in the nfl so yeah, yeah. and, and I, the thing I, with washington just real quick anthony like yeah go for it i feel like we just kind of like seems harsh but i feel like we can eliminate washington from the first round conversation like you look at the Bengals' history just taking any skill position player, they value production a lot. Like maybe more, like just as equally as tape almost. And he just doesn't have it. Like if he's there mm -hmm. on day two, like maybe that's a flyer option. Cause again, like true sample is very productive and they kind of panicked into that. But like Washington is a first round pick for the Bengals. Like it's just, it's just not, it's just non-starter to me. And then, right. Go ahead. No, I, it's, you know, I, he's not a project guy per se, but when you look at uh, the production is, just far below what the two other guys were talking about there. So in that regard, I mean, you love the size, you love kind of the athletic, some of the athletic profile, you made that ridiculous catch at the combine and all that kind of stuff. So you like a lot of things you see from the guy. Um, but I mean, you know, when you look at mayor and all of the things that he has proven he can do, plus, you know, be a productive guy in the passing game at a, at a big time program. And then you look at Kincaid, you know, like I mentioned, 16 touchdown catches the last two years. Um, I mean, the, the production is there for those guys. Washington has, you know, the, the clay to mold, so to speak, the size and all kinds of different things. The production isn't there as compared to the other two. So I, I think that's a really good point you bring up, John. I was just going to say also, like when it comes to tight ends, there's so many tight ends that have been established in the NFL that are very good that, are, that this the position in general is so injury prone. I mean, there's guys that have played – you know, I Gronk was really well, I, oh, he, man. He, was injury, he was injury prone too, but it's such a tough position to play because you have a guy the size of an not you know, not quite as heavy as an offensive lineman, but a bigger guy that you want to run like a wide receiver and block like an offensive lineman. And it's just hard to keep healthy or stay healthy that way. I mean, we saw Tyler Eifert get hurt over and over again. And what could he have done if he stayed healthy? Oh man. Uh I know last year, um last year there are several tight ends that were hurt. Several big name tight ends that were hurt for a while. Um yeah, it's just uh, it's a tough position to play and stay healthy, especially in the NFL. Yeah, I mean, Gronk came into the the league unhealthy, right? He had yeah. the back the back deal. That's what caused him to slip. Uh, and then, of course, the Cincinnati Bank. By the way, I want to address a question later. That's that's up there. We'll we'll get to that one in a little bit. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. But the, the topic I wanted to bring up to you guys, because this is something I started weighing, John, I think you and I were both in the, this, the member spaces conversation of Joe Goodberry yesterday evening. Um, and it provided, you know, I was kind of in and out for a few minutes in there. But I mean, it's, you know, and by the way, if you missed that episode, he was on with John and I a couple of just just before the Orlando Brown news broke. He, uh, he was on with us. Uh, fun episode with him. And of course, go subscribe to his content. You could do that through his Twitter account. I uh, want to plug that. But there was obviously a lot of conversation, John, you probably remember it's, you know, right tackle options. I don't think they should take a tight end because of positional value. Um, so I had this kind of thought where you go, okay, well, there's positional value but there's also perceived player value and there's the argument there. And I hear, I'll, I'll kind of explain what I mean. Right. You know, a lot of people are like, well, uh, the, the Darnell Wright kid from Tennessee, who's maybe what the consensus third, fourth best tackle in this class, if that right, he's, he's in the top five, probably when you're picking him, you're picking arguably a, a guy who is sniffing outside of the top five at his respective position group in the draft class. When you pick a Michael Mayer, let's say, um, you may be, if, should he be there, you are picking the top player consensus wise at the position. And oh, by the way, right now it's your top position of need based on depth or lack thereof on your roster. So I guess I go back and forth because obviously you want to build the trenches. You want to get a right tackle that you want to have for the next handful of years because of the fluidity with the Jonah Williams, Lael Collins, all kinds of different situations there. But guys, I also am like, you know, do you, do you want to, if you're taking a position and you're in the first round, do you want to take a guy that's the fourth, you know, you feel like he's the third or fourth best guy at that respective position, or do you want to take the guy that you still have a need and you're saying, this is the best guy in this, based on our board, this is the best guy in this class, even though the positional value isn't as high. I waver back and forth on this. And that, that kind of, that thought kind of came to my mind last night, John, when we were in those, that space conversation. It's a good, it's a good question. I I think ultimately it comes down to just which one player do you think is just better and just who's graded higher. Right. I feel like that's the, the first thing that any team will look at in that situation. And then you kind of go to, okay, what, what do they need more? Like, what do we need more right now? And it's very questionable. Do they need a right tackle or, t- or starting tight end more right now? Because they have yeah. at least some options, I guess, at right tackle. It's not they're not great options, I should say, but they just have just nothing at tight end right now. And mm-hmm. if you want the designation of picking the first tight end, the the safest, you know, most clean first round tight end in the class, and I, I think that's completely justifiable. But I, I I really do feel like if there is a tackle that they feel like is worth that pick that they have graded high enough who's also there. I think that ends up being the pick and you can argue that the, the strength and the, and the depth of the tight end class also helps justify that because they will probably take two, uh, probably yeah two tight ends between like rounds two and five and everything. But I think just their history with offensive tackle in the first round, the fact that this, this whole Jonah Williams situation is kind of the whole t- offensive tackle situation has kind of led to a place that they just didn't expect. And if there is a tackle there, it could be Dewan Jones. It could be Darnell, Wright, It could be Anton Anderson. I have no idea, but one of those three guys, if they are there, I feel like they would take him over the tight end. And I feel like that's just like the answer to that discussion there. Yeah. I, I think that, I think that Jonah Williams requesting a trade has kind of thrown a wrench into all this and we don't really know what's going to happen. I, I mean, if, if they don't take a tie or a, a, a right tackle, or if they don't trade him, I mean, he's going to play. I don't know how well he'll do, you know, and then we don't really know what's going on with Leo Collins. But um, if, if they were to sign, if they were to sign a free agent tight end, like Irv Smith jr. Or something like that, then I would say that the offensive line is more important because it's a, it's a more important position, but with, with just no depth at tight end and, and Devin Asiasi being the only really tight end on the roster that has any playing experience, then I I wouldn't be upset if 
if they went for a, the best player at a position that's not as important in the first round. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, I just obviously it's such a a balanced game, right? Between value, need, best player available, who's rated where on your board, that sort of thing. I, and it's just a conversation piece that kind of popped into my mind. And I was like, hey, if we're going to do these listener questions tomorrow, I'll ask my own listener questions and uh, get your guys' opinion because you guys are smarter than me. We do have someone on the phone here, Drew, from the 513. Drew, what's going on, man? Hey, how's it going? Good. How are you? I'm doing well. I just uh, I was wondering um, what you guys thought of if the Bengals were to sign Zeke and then restructure Joe. Um, what would be an acceptable number for those two collectively at this point in their careers? In terms of uh, annual average value, in terms of just contract, yeah. what are we what are we talking about here? Yeah, AAV. Okay. Uh, I mean, for me, Zeke, it, it just throwing it out. Uh, Zeke to me has to be short term and completely manageable cap wise, completely manageable salary wise. I mean, I, I think if you're you look at P Ryan's contract. I'd even go, uh, you know, a tack or two lower than that. Honestly, um, you know, probably a one to two year deal, um, incentive based for me. Probably a few million per year, a couple million per year, if, if for Zeke to me to make sense. Um, and then of course the Burrow thing. And there's a lot of moving parts, as you know, Drew. Where, um, you know, we're talking about the Jonah situation where you could get money off the books there. You have the Lael Collins situation, Joe Mixon's contract. So there's a lot of different things there. So I'll let the other guys chime in, particularly maybe on the Burrow thing. But for me, I think it has to be a, a very minimal, low-risk contract, potentially incentive-laden for, for Ezekiel Elliott, to, for him to come to Cincinnati. I don't, I don't think, yeah, that would have to be the case. They'd have to be, it'd have to be a low contract for Zeke in just a couple years, one or two years. It'd be a lot of incentives in there to help him get paid. Uh, As far as Mixon goes, it would have to be restructured in a way that if they were to have both, I think that was the question, if they were both on the team, right? Like what if well, contract- yeah, but both on the team and what would the contracts look like? I think you I, may have missed your first part of your, your statement there, but go ahead. They'd have to be, they'd have to both be on the team. For that, for that to make sense to me, they'd have to both be paid less money than Joe Mixon is is uh, due this year right now, and they'd have to, you know, they'd have to both be paid uh, less than the ten million that they would save by cutting Mixon. So I, I just don't see that happening for Mixon. I don't think he's going to take a a pay cut that's more than half of his salary. Um, so I just, I don't, I mean, I just don't know what's going to happen. But uh, yeah, I don't think I don't see if if they sign Zeke, then Mixon, I think, is gone. So, so that ten million number you just you just said real quick that was that was combining Mixon and Zeke's number together. That's what you were right. saying, right? There. Together, okay. yes. Gotcha. Yeah, I, I'm. I like how Jason said pay cut because that that is what it is with Mixon. Like yeah. people throw out the word restructure often because other teams do it. Joe Mixon has two years left on this deal. He's due twenty million about approximately in cash. His cap hit this year is like twelve million just because it's the prorated signing bonus from a few years back. They would not restructure Joe Mixon's contract. They would basically terminate that contract and ask him to take a pay cut. He wouldn't be under contract for anything more than two years, which is what the original deal has him for. If they were to sign Zeke, they would definitely ask Joe Mixon to take a pay cut for sure. And I think a Zeke deal would look very similar to what Samaje Piran got with Denver. I, I feel like they had that contract probably drafted out and they could just change the name on the top of it. <laughs> Obviously, Piran got a signing bonus, I think, of $3 million with with Denver. I don't know if if the Bengals would guarantee Zeke that much, but two years average annual value of about three and a half. I feel like that fits the role. And if, if for whatever reason they want to keep both Joe and Zeke and have a combined running back age of like 55 at that point, even though they just kind of got out of that, I feel like Joe would probably be down to about 6 million, which what, what was that like eight or nine, 10 million in total for both of them. But again, like, like Jason said, if Zeke comes here, I feel like they're getting out of the mixing contract entirely and adding a rookie. Yeah. Uh, we didn't talk too much about the, the, uh, the Burrow contract there. I mean, I think we know that's just got to be, that's going to have to be pretty astronomical. And, uh, you know, I don't, uh, is he going to stay in Cincinnati? Yes. He's going to stay in Cincinnati. I don't, I don't, I, you know, there's still some sort of narrative out there that they're not going to pay him. They're not going to do this and that and the other thing. I, I think they'll pay him. I think they'll pay him handsomely. He'll be one of the highest paid, if not the highest paid quarterback when he signs the, the, the contract. I do not think 
I know a lot of people, we all love Joe Burrow. We all know he's an Ohio kid. I don't see the hometown discount thing happening. No. I, he, and nor should he take it. Um, so I, I think uh, maybe down the road, he does the Tom Brady thing where it's like, Hey, I got to rework things to, you know, if we're going to keep this championship team together type of thing, and I got to rework some things, I'll do it. But I mean, at the onset of signing that thing, I, I, there's not going to be a hometown discount. He's going to be one of, if not the highest paid quarterback. That's just my, my take on it. Yeah. I think that he'll sign a contract similar to what Patrick Mahomes signed where it's 10, 10 years and spread out, you know, I would Patrick Mahomes was close to $500 million or a little over $500 million over 10 years. So I could see something like that where they make sure that he's here permanently. But uh, yeah, I, I wouldn't, I would be shocked if they said, well, Joe Burrow signed a really cheap contract and we can keep, yeah, I, just, no. I just don't, maybe for a third contract, but not, not for his big one, you know, the big first extension. Right. right. Uh, That's I the crazy. Did... Sorry. Jason, go, ahead. go ahead. No, no, you go ahead. The crazy thing about the Mahomes one is it wasn't even like five hundred. It was forty four hundred fifty million total. So okay. the average annual value of four forty five million a year, which is already looking like a phenomenal value. And I don't know, man. I feel like that that deal just it seems more and more like an anomaly, just based off what other quarterbacks are signing for. Like, there's there's definitely a trend in trying to just get like a three or four year deal and then resetting the market later down the road, so you're not locked into something long term. But mm-hmm. I mean, I agree with you guys. Like. It could be a situation, and I think Goodberry brought this up yesterday with T. Watt, where there were like intense negotiations with the Steelers, and then Watt kind of just like, you know what? Like, obviously, I won't just get the best possible deal done with this team. And I feel like Burrow probably thinks that too. Like, he wants to stay with the Bengals, but he doesn't want to shortchange himself. He just wants just whatever deal kind of works for both sides. And that obviously doesn't mean taking less than fifty million per year, but the overall structure of that, yeah, it's definitely up in the air right now. All right, Drew. Thanks for the call, my man. I hope uh, hope that kind of answered it for you. Yeah, yeah. Appreciate it. Thanks, guys. All right. Take care, man. Uh, all right. Well, we're going to start getting on out of here. We're going a tiny bit longer than we had anticipated. But in, before we do, are there any other questions that we did not get to in here that you guys want to want to get to here? I, I did. S- Sorry, I, I did see one from Anton Hall. I, I think we're sleeping on cornerback being their target in the first round. And while and there's no depth at all at the cornerback position, you have mm-hmm. Chidobe Awuzia on one side who's coming off of a season-ending injury and he's entering the last year of his deal. And then on the other side, you have Cam Taylor-Britt. And you have Mike Hilton in the slot. And I think he's 29 this year. And then behind them, I know what they just signed. They just re-signed um, their backup slot corner. And I'm just totally blanking on his name now. Uh, but there's really no depth at the, at the cornerback position. So I... They like corner. Yeah. 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 They, they like corners in the first round. Like that's been a thing for the Bengals for a long time. I don't know if they'll do it this year. Uh, but because the tight end position is so deep in this draft class, I could see them saying, Hey, we're going to take corner in the first round, a guy that we know can step in and start. If we're not going to be able to keep uh, a or if someone gets hurt and then double dip at tight end, maybe from the second round to fifth round, something like that. Yeah, it's, that's a good point. Like you can never fully ignore cornerback in the first round for the Bengals. We got a lot of Z questions, guys. If if you want, just rewind to like the first fifteen minutes of the show. We definitely covered that entirely. But Anthony, it's going to shock you, but we have a super chat donation from Mister Whisper. Oh yes, 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 absolutely. He's asking shocking. who is a realistic target still out there for agency that the Bengals could or should look into while they're still available. Thank you so much, Mister Whisper, for your continued generosity towards this program um yeah i mean at this point are they going to sign anyone else like i know zeke is 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 a thing and everything but it it, it seems like it seems like tight end is probably where it's going to be we just have like Irv smith is the most notable name there's a reason why he's unsigned like he's just had a ton of injury issues and he's just not lived up to his draft billing it could just be a one-year deal with incentives like we saw with Dalton schultz and mike Gusecki, but Again, like if they didn't sign anyone at tight end now, it's it's a little weird to imagine that they're going to, especially just because the draft is so deep with them. So I don't know. Like I think we all expected one or two more signings in general in free agency, and it just didn't it didn't really work out. So Irv Smith is obviously the name to watch. I think another running back name to watch though would be Daryl Henderson. 
who was drafted mm. by the Rams a few years ago. Yeah. He's, yeah. He spent like half a year with Jacksonville, but he's still 26. He was pretty efficient when he got the ball consistently. If, if they're looking for at least some running back depth who's not Zeke, I, I would look out for Henderson. A couple of names. Shameless self-promotion to put my, my Twitter account up here, but I, I just tweeted this out a little while ago. Um, based on an NFL.com kind of top top guys left type of list, uh, you've got in terms of maybe getting some rental defensive line depth, you've got Yannick and Gawkway still out there, 19 and a half sacks the last couple of years. Rocky Sin is a cornerback, uh, um, doesn't really move the needle a ton, but can bring you some behind the starter depth type of thing. You've got Dalton Reisner out there, the interior offensive lineman, depending on uh, you know how things would shake out with Volson and whatnot here. And then, of course, you've got Frank Clark, who has slowly kind of production is dipped and dipped and dipped, and he just hit 30. Bengals don't like to get 30-year-olds necessarily, as we have seen in the uh, free agency, especially on a long-term deal. But on a rental deal, especially when you're saying, man, we've got some issues at tight end. You know, we're, we're shaking up the running back position potentially. Um, there's just kind of a couple of different areas. We can't just do this in seven, in seven picks. We may need to get some veteran rental guys. Those are a couple of guys towards the top of the list that I noticed that say, Hey, you know, maybe, maybe it makes sense for the Bengals going into the draft to lessen their needs or a team, you know, whether it's the Bengals or another team, you come out of the draft and you say, okay, well, we didn't get that edge guy that we wanted. We didn't get X, Y, and Z. Let's, you know, we didn't get an extra corner. Maybe this is, these are some, veteran guys that are still out here after the draft that we can reach out to get a short-term deal done. And maybe they give us a little production. All right. Well, is that, uh, is that going to do it for us t- today, guys? I just want to say real quick, uh, cause Terrell mentioned it. Uh, Jason Kelsey couldn't re- recruit Joe Burrow to UC. So I don't know if he would be a great recruiter in general as the UC head coach. So, you know, probably, probably look, looking beyond him. If, Thanks for no if Satterfield doesn't work out. Thanks, but no thanks. Thanks, but no thanks. That's right. That's right. Well, guys, thanks for hanging out on a Friday. Thanks for your time. Thanks for your insight, your input. And of course, thanks to everybody for, we had a lot of different avenues. People were coming towards us here with questions, Twitter, the live chats on YouTube, Facebook, and of course, phone, text. Uh, We had someone hop into the chat, all that kind of stuff. So we had all the avenues open for you, but hop on in next time. We had a lot of live viewers. It was good hanging out with with everybody and uh, we'll try and make this again still a somewhat regular thing even through the off season and of course more regular through the regular season guys uh, appreciate you thanks for all the work that you do here on the show on the website and go check out john's written work over at a to z sports he's he's killing it over there but uh hey we'll see you guys next time appreciate it and yeah i don't know we'll see you next week i guess see you guys